Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Today on Something You Should Know, why you sometimes walk into a room and forget why you're there. Then, toxins in the home. They're everywhere. The kitchen, the bedroom, the bathroom. Just using lotions and cosmetics that when they add up all the different chemicals in those products, shampoos and conditioners and hairsprays and so on, the average woman is using 515 synthetic chemicals on her body daily. Also, why loneliness feels so bad and why that's actually a good thing. And a top veterinarian reveals the important steps to having a healthy and happy pet. The fact is you want to reward calm behavior. When that animal is quietly laying on the floor chewing a bone, that's the behavior that we want to reward. So the big hellos, the big goodbyes, you need to nix all of those things. All this today on Something You Should Know. If you have to hire someone, what's the best way? Referrals? Well, maybe that could work. But just because somebody knows somebody who knows you doesn't necessarily mean they're qualified. Or you could pull out that file of random resumes that came in during the last six months. Maybe there's somebody in there. Maybe. Now, if you're hiring, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. As a business owner, I've found that hiring the right people, there's just nothing more important. Don't leave it to chance or a referral or a random resume. Use Indeed. In the minute I've been talking to you, 23 hires were made on Indeed, according to Indeed data worldwide. Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com something. Just go to Indeed.com something right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed on Something You Should Know. Indeed.com something. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? Oh, you need Indeed. Something You Should Know, fascinating intel, the world's top experts, and practical advice you can use in your life. Today, Something You Should Know with Mike Carruthers. Hey, hi, welcome to Something You Should Know. Have you ever had, well, I know you've had, everybody's had this experience. You walk into a room and you forget why you're there. Well, the next time that happens to you, you can blame it on the door that you just walked through. It's a mental phenomenon known as the location updating effect. In a study from Notre Dame, 28 volunteers were split into two groups, and both groups were asked to place objects in a room. The first group had to walk into another room and recall where they had placed the objects. The second group had to walk into a different area without passing through a door to do their recollection. 
The group that had to pass through a door struggled significantly more with their recall than the other group. When we pass through a door, our brain registers that our location and situation has changed. The new location data can sometimes be enough to push some information out that never really had a chance to take hold. And that is something you should know. For years now, people have talked about toxic dangers in the home. Cleaners, air fresheners, cookware, pesticides on food, carpets, furniture. Now, some people claim that if you just use common sense, most of these things pose no real threat. That there are government agencies watching out for us. So we're just fine. Other people seem pretty fanatical about keeping everything natural and toxin-free. Most of us, I suspect, fall somewhere in between. Most of us would probably like to reduce the number of toxins in the house because, well, you know, fewer toxins are better than more toxins, it would seem. So what could it hurt? And it could have a significant positive impact on you and your family. So let's discuss potential toxic hazards in your home, some of which you may not even know are toxic. And we're going to do that with Daniela Chase. She is a toxicologist, a health writer, and she has a book out called Home Detox, Make Your Home a Healthier Place for Everyone Who Lives There. Hi, Daniela. Welcome. It's great to be here, Mike. So what are the things that we should be concerned about that are likely in our home? What, what, are, what do you mean by household toxins? So when I use the word toxin, I'm really referring to toxicants. I just feel like that's such a big word. But toxins are really things like heavy metals, like lead and mercury and aluminum, uh, phthalates from plastics, which are all around us, um, agricultural chemicals like glyphosate, you know, used in the yard as a herbicide and um, and um, PFAS, which is like Teflon. So they're really common things that are found in consumer products all around our homes. Just because these chemicals are in products doesn't necessarily mean they're dangerous. And what I mean by that is I have gasoline in my gas tank in my car. Potentially it's dangerous, but as long as it stays in the tank and fuels the car, it it doesn't do me any harm. So how is it that these things that are in products in our homes, how do they become dangerous? So all of these consumer products in our homes, um, they shed, they're constantly kind of breaking down and releasing little particles of plastics um, and things like um, fabrics, like fleece is completely plastic and it releases tiny little particles, um, synthetic bedding, uh, polyester bedding, memory foam. Um, So all of these items are shedding and they actually become the dust in our homes. So years ago when we had just natural inert materials in our homes like wool rugs and wood, our dust was really just kind of human detritus like skin cells and hair and cat fur. But now when scientists have actually studied dust collected from homes all across the United States, they found that they're the dust is actually comprised of toxic materials and not only little bits of products like plastic products in our homes, but the dust acts like a sponge and soaks up chemicals that are in our homes from air fresheners and cleaning products. So it's a highly toxic dust. And the most surprising thing about this is that the way we're exposed is by ingesting dust, 
we actually ingest about two tablespoons of dust per day. There are a lot of little anecdotal stories. Like we all heard about, you know, you shouldn't handle receipts from the grocery store or the gas pump at the gas station because they contain BPA. And if you touch it, it gets in your skin and goes through your skin and and can, I, I don't even know, do something hormonally or something. But I also recently talked to someone who said, well, yeah, but in the amounts on that receipt are so small that it, it, even if the chemical itself is dangerous, it's never going to be enough to harm anybody. That's true. The receipts is not something that I would um, even mention as a concern. Um, we have much greater exposures from um, other sources and other vectors. So one example is... Um, we have exposure from things that burn, like um, polyaromatic hydrocarbons, and they come from um, burning wood in the fireplace or burning candles or incense. And these all release chemicals that can trigger cancer. But one of the worst burned materials is from uh, burned food, like burnt toast or uh, the blackened material on barbecue. That black material has something in it called FIPS, which is an acronym for a long chemical name. But they found now that FIPS is a three strikes carcinogen. So it initiates cancer development, it causes the cancer cells to grow, and it causes um, angiogenesis or the spread of cancer cells. So that's a big one, um, really avoiding burnt material, especially in your diet. What else? What what else should we? Because we hear about things like carpeting and furniture, mm-hmm. and that's l- letting off all this horrible stuff in our indoor air, and it, indoor air is horrible. And so, demystify all that. Mm-hmm. As I was um, really diving into this and looking at um, you know specific health conditions, I started with cancer, but then really um, that led me into research on heart disease and um, issues with like fibroid tumors. And uh, the, the information, like the research is so clear now. It's just such an exciting time to be able to pull this all together. And um, as I looked at these kind of hundreds of toxic items in our houses and realizing that there's about 40,000 chemicals that are used to manufacture common consumer goods now, I really narrowed that down to um, about 10 super toxins. And these include air fresheners. So fragranced items um, almost always contain high levels of solvents. So that's like benzene, which can cause neurological damage. Um, And air fresheners are just incredibly common these days. People use powders on their carpets, um, use plug-in air fresheners or sprays. And um, these are all highly risky. Um, That's a huge category to really just eliminate. And generally speaking, people use air fresheners because there's some offending odor in the home, and it's best to just identify what that problem is and correct that issue. And then also the the PFAS chemicals. So um, these are the chemicals used in these um, products like Teflon, and they're used in more items than you'd believe in your home. It's not just Teflon pans, which is a significant source. So when pans get scratched, they release little particles of Teflon that we ingest. Um, And when a pan is used over high heat, it releases so many uh, fumes that it can cause uh, something called Teflon flu, which is inflammation in the lungs. So that's a really significant um, chemical compound in our homes. And it's used on carpets and um, even in dental floss to make it more slippery. It's just 
uh, used in really odd ways, I think, um, but we do have multiple exposures. Um, and another one is dryer sheets. You know, that's a fragrance product that uh, has solvents and numerous chemical compounds that are very toxic. So identifying kind of the more significant sources in the home and just removing them completely can just drop your exposure level just overnight by uh, making a sweep through the house for these really high-level toxins. But listening to you, I mean, it's everything. I mean, it, I, I would have never thought my dental floss, my dryer sheets, my, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't know where to begin. Well, when I take clients through this, and I do this with my clients that have diseases, we go room by room, and we really just try to um, drill down and find the, the biggest sources of toxins in each room and remove those right away, help them clean up their dust so that their exposure is reduced. And then uh, just, it's a process. It takes a while. Um, you know, even for myself, I've been very aware of these things now for about 20 years, and I still have to be pretty vigilant about what comes into my home and um, and watching for things like plastics. Um, so really, you just have to think of it as a process. And um, and as you become aware, just, you know, replacing Tupperware containers with glass food storage containers, um, you know, not buying uh, chemical uh, cleaning products, instead just using natural things like um, just some natural soap and essential oils for killing bacteria and that kind of thing. So most people find that once they get rolling with it, it's not so hard. When you say, you know, use natural things like soap, well, I don't know what that means. I mean, if I'm going to do a load of laundry, I'm not going to throw a bar of soap in there. So, so <laughs> Good point. What does what does um, that mean? And and who if you don't use a dryer sheet, which is also a fabric softener and also uh, uh, you know removes uh, static electricity, well then what do you what do you use in its place? Well, for soap for doing laundry, I just use uh, Dr. Bronner's products. They've been around forever and they're completely natural. Um, so there's there's many natural products that you can get at your local co-op that don't have these long chemical names in them. So you can switch your, your soaps um, for your dishes and for laundry easily that way. And in terms of laundry, we really don't need dryer sheets. And um, if you do have static electricity um, in your clothing, when you pull them out of the dryer, you can just have a little mister bottle of water and just spray a tiny bit on there and that just releases that immediately. So I feel like we've kind of been duped by uh, consumer products and commercials, and um, we've started to think that we need so many of these products in our daily lives that we really don't need. It seems like it's such a big topic, like it's hard to get your head around it as to like, well, where do you, what? what's the most important thing? What's the least important thing? Uh, you know, what's the, wh where, do you, where do we start with this? Mm-hmm. Well, I think a, a really good place to start is by removing plastics from your home because um, they're so pervasive and um, they really do cause many health conditions. So um, the phthalates in plastics, these chemicals in plastics, they are endocrine disruptors. So they're causing all sorts of endocrine issues from diabetes to um, thyroid conditions. And uh, plastics mimic estrogen, so they're um, triggers for certain types of breast cancer that are estrogen receptor positive. Um, this was actually discovered by um, some cancer researchers who were using uh, glass test tubes and they were dropping in their 
um, their cancer cell line samples to do some research. And one day they had um, to switch to plastic test tubes because their glass ones were all dirty. And when they dropped the cells in, uh, they just started growing on their own with nothing added to that. And so they started researching plastics to see how much they could be affecting hormone-related cancers. So starting in the kitchen and removing plastic from your kitchen is a really great place to, to get started, I think. We're talking about toxins in your home, and my guest is Daniela Chase. She's a toxicologist and author of a book called Home Detox, Make your home a healthier place for everyone who lives there. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. As a listener to Something You Should Know, I can only assume that you are someone who likes to learn about new and interesting things and bring more knowledge to work for you in your everyday life. I mean, that's kind of what Something You Should Know is all about. And so I want to invite you to listen to another podcast called TED Talks Daily. Now, you know about TED Talks, right? Many of the guests on Something You Should Know have done TED Talks. Well, you see, TED Talks Daily is a podcast that brings you a new TED Talk every weekday in less than 15 minutes. Join host Elise Hugh. She goes beyond the headlines so you can hear about the big ideas shaping our future. Learn about things like sustainable fashion, embracing your entrepreneurial spirit, the future of robotics, and so much more. Like I said, if you like this podcast, something you should know, I'm pretty sure you're going to like TED Talks Daily. And you get TED Talks Daily wherever you get your podcasts. So, Daniela, you talk about uh, getting rid of plastic. And as, as you're saying that, I'm looking around the room at all the things in this room that are made, I assume, from plastic. If I got rid of all these things, I mean, the, the, the room would be half empty. Yeah, isn't that amazing? Uh, plastic has just really become so commonplace now in our homes. You know, you could start with the items that really cause the most toxic dust in the home. So um, changing your bedding out and um, getting a natural mattress, something made out of natural rubber rather than memory foam. And when you buy clothes, buying natural fabrics like um, hemp or cotton or linen or wool, silk, you know, anything natural versus chemical um, chemical compounds like um polyester or um, fleece that's made from plastic. And one little note there, I went into a mall recently to just look at um, clothing labels to see, you know, what kinds of um, materials are being used in kind of commonplace clothing these days. And I went into one of these stores that's really popular with young people. And as I walked through, all the clothes looked very beautiful and they look like natural materials, like they mimicked natural materials. Some felt like angora, some felt like wool, some felt like silk, but every single label I looked at was polyamide. So it was plastic with chemicals, each of those items. So I think being more aware of what we're actually buying and bringing into our homes and, um, and then 
just slowly making changes to remove um, the items that we know now are toxic. Where is the government in all of this? We'd like to think that these things are regulated to the point where there aren't a lot of dangerous toxins in the home. Our regulatory agencies are becoming more and more aware, and I really think that we will have more regulation um, very soon here. Even the EPA now has stated on their website that our indoor air is two to five times more polluted than our outdoor air. So just admitting that and um, talking about that will help direct laws that will help protect us down the road here. What about air filters? I mean, we have them in my home. We have them in several rooms in my home. How effective are they in mitigating all the problems that you're talking about of things degrading and getting in the air and us breathing them? Oh, our air filters can be wonderful. Um, Yeah, there's so many now out on the market. I use a Dyson air purifier because I live in Washington State and we often get forest fires that bring a lot of smoke into my area and it can really um, cause sinus problems and make it harder to breathe. So I use an air purifier just in one room to help really clean the air up really well in the area where I spend the most time. So um, yeah, they can be great. They have lovely filters in them that take out solvents and formaldehyde and of course dust because those are large particles. So um, I think they're a great idea. Well, I've noticed that there are certainly big price differences in air purifiers and I imagine there are big differences in how effective they are. True. In fact, uh, As I've been speaking to libraries, that's the number one question that's come up as people have been asking me about um, kind of my top three air purifiers that I recommend. And honestly, I've just been using the the Dyson air purifier so far because they have a little uh, computer that tells you the level of solvents and formaldehyde and specific toxins. um, And it shows the level coming down as it's running in the room. So I've been really pleased with that. Um, But yeah, there's there's actually some great videos out on YouTube um, where people do all sorts of testing to do comparisons and show you how well those air purifiers work. So let's review here quickly. Just if someone is taking this to heart and thinking, okay, well, I'm going to do something about this. Where are the top five things to start and, and what do we do? So starting in the kitchen because... Um, You know, if you're cooking in toxic pans or storing your food in plastic food containers, um, that's a a real significant exposure in the kitchen. So I think that's a great place to start, just uh, getting rid of those plastic food storage containers, getting glass instead. Um, Many of them now have wood lids or cork lids. And if they have a plastic lid, it's okay as long as the liquid or the food isn't touching the lid. And switching out your cookware, so making sure you don't have Teflon or aluminum cookware. Um, aluminum is uh, another, it's a heavy metal. It's very toxic. In fact, it has an affinity for breast tissue, meaning that when uh, breast tumors are biopsied, there's often high levels of aluminum. So really important for women to avoid aluminum. What kind of, uh, what and, kind of cookware is left? If you don't use Teflon or aluminum, what's left? Yeah, good question. Um, Stainless steel is great. It's inert. It's um, completely safe. It's not too expensive. I use green pans. It's a ceramic pan that's nonstick, but completely non-toxic. It's just a mineral surface. Um, And um, glass like Duralex is a old school kind of heavy glass that can go from the freezer um, to the oven and it won't break and it's completely inert and safe. 
Uh, the bathroom is probably the next best place to, to go because uh, I just read a study last year. It was really mind-blowing. Um, the average woman is exposed to 515 synthetic chemicals that she puts on her body every day. It, that just really blew my mind. Um, I don't wear a lot of makeup myself, but um, apparently just using lotions and cosmetics, um, that when they add up all the different chemicals in those products, shampoos and conditioners and hairsprays and so on, the average woman is using 515 synthetic chemicals on her body daily. So cleaning out um, our bathrooms and really getting rid of mascara that has lead in it and dental floss that has Teflon used on it. Um, and uh, certainly there's some wonderful lines of non-toxic cosmetics that have just very natural ingredients in them, you know, jojoba oil and essential oils and things. So that would be a, a really big change, cleaning up the cosmetics in your life. And then our bedrooms really are key too, because we spend so much time sleeping and our faces are right there against our mattresses and our pillows. Um, and I know it's a bit expensive to make a switch with a mattress, but one thing you can do is buy a, an organic cotton cover for your bed, and that will help at least create a barrier from um, the toxins and things like memory foam and uh, molds from an older mattress. And then with pillows, uh, just uh, either natural rubber pillows uh, or a newer feather pillow is a great way to go. Older pillows have a surprising number of microbes in them. It's just amazing how many particles of um, dander and little bugs and uh, mold are in older pillows. So if your pillow is older than six years, it would be a great idea to switch it up now. Well, as I said in the beginning, it does seem some people are very concerned about these things. Some people are not very concerned about these things. And most of us are probably somewhere in the middle. And it's good to hear, that, as you point out, that the EPA says indoor air is more polluted than outdoor air. So there's clearly something going on. And it's just, it's good to hear like, well, what could I, what could I do to help the problem? I've been talking to Daniela Chase. She's a toxicologist. And the name of her book is Home Detox. Make your home a healthier place for everyone who lives there. You will find a link to that book at Amazon in the show notes. Thank you, Daniela, for sharing the information. Okay, thank you so much, Mike. Every pet owner, I think, has questions. Questions about how to take care of their pet or why their dog or cat behaves the way they do. There are medical questions, questions about diet, and so to address many of the most common concerns that pet owners have is veterinarian Dr. Carol Osborne. She's author of two best-selling books, Naturally Healthy Cats and Naturally Healthy Dogs. Hi, Carol. Welcome to Something You Should Know. Well, thanks so much for having me, Mike. So let's start with what you consider one of the biggest concerns that you're asked about. There's something called separation anxiety. And separation anxiety is a syndrome created by the owner uh, that ends up, you know, hurting the pet. And in, in simple English, what that means is that the pet becomes so reliant and so dependent on that person that if that person goes to work or goes to the grocery store, gets a hamburger for dinner, the pet basically loses it. You know, they run around the house uh, barking, tearing up your furniture, 
And and that is a giant problem all across the country. And and you know, Mike, basically what it is is you have to teach a dog to be confident uh, and to realize that even if mom and or dad are not there, everything's going to be fine. And and the pet that the dog in uh, 99.9% of the cases, um, you know, whether they're chewing a bone, they've got they've got some toys, they have access, uh, you know, to the out yard, uh, to the backyard because of an invisible fence, etc. Not hard to do, but it has become just an absolutely incredibly big topic. People walk into your office and right away they're going to put the dog on Prozac. Uh, not a great way to live. Do people put their dogs on Prozac? Yes, they do. Yes, they do. And they walk right in the door and they say, uh, you can examine the dog. I need a prescription for Prozac. So what does Dr. Carroll do? She says, well, you know, having your dog living on some antidepressant his whole life probably is not an ideal situation. Uh, in many cases, I am speaking to blank ears because when dogs become so dependent on mom and or dad, uh, it can be very challenging to to get this resolved. But that is probably one of the biggest issues affecting people literally coast to coast. So explain the strategy then. What is it a, a pet owner does to relieve this? All kinds of little steps, again, to build independence and to teach confidence. Um, you know, when you walk when you walk in the door, don't reward the dog and run up to him and give him the big hus- you know, hugs and kisses. The fact is, you want to reward calm behavior. When when that animal is quietly laying on the floor chewing a bone, that's the behavior that we want to reward. So the big hellos, the big goodbyes. You need to nix all of those things and, and reward them because um, they stayed in the room, for example, while you were working in another room and happily played with their toys. Even if it's just five minutes, you have to start somewhere. Even if you're just dropping your dog off at the groomer, for example, you just want to drop Fido off. You don't want to make a big deal out of it because they sense uh, nervousness, anxiety, etc. They sense that in you. And then when you make these elaborate hellos, goodbyes, etc., it just builds and builds. What about feeding pets? I mean, people, some people feed their dog once a day, some people twice a day, some people feed, you know, the, off the supermarket shelf, other people get really expensive dog food. What, what's your take on that? All animals should be fed at least twice a day. Young puppies up to six months are often fed three times a day as are elderly geriatric and convalescing pets. As far as what is the best diet for your pet, again, always talk to your veterinarian. Uh, you want to a feed a food that is organic, uh, natural, uh, something that works uh, with your lifestyle and fits your budget. There are many choices out there. When it comes to the vegan diets, uh, once again, if we have certain medical conditions, uh, epilepsy, kidney and liver disease, these uh, vegan diets can be very helpful. Purina even makes a vegan diet. But is that the best diet to put your puppy on? Usually not. Yeah, because dogs are not, I mean, I would imagine, and I've heard people put their pet on a vegetarian vegan diet, 
But that's their preference, not the exactly. dog's preference. The dog dog wants meat. Yeah, the the dogs like you and I, Mike, are omnivores. Their system is designed uh, to eat meat, to eat grains, and to eat vegetables. Cats, on the other hand, are obligate carnivores, and that means that they were created to eat meat. Just as plain and as simple as that. Declawing a cat is, I mean, uh, people, I've heard that it's, you know, we, we couldn't do it any other way because of the cat ruins the furniture, but it just seems so horrible. So what, what do you think? It is uh, considered cruel and inhumane uh, in many areas of the world. Um, it's been outlawed in Germany and other sections of Europe. Basically, it's an amputation of the last digit. Um, you know, of, of each little claw, kind of like if you would cut off the last part of your finger, you can have your cat's nails trimmed. You can learn how to trim them. There's nothing hard about it at all. What about just general hygiene for dogs and cats? And what I mean by that is bathing, brushing teeth, things like that. First of all, if you want to brush your pet's teeth, the best thing to do is start when they're a puppy. You can get a little baby toothbrush, a nice little soft one. You can dip it in some chicken soup and you can just gently try to run that along the outer surfaces of the, you know, the two uppers and the two lowers. Uh, once, once we get used to that, um, you can then get one of these toothpaste, uh, poultry flavors popular. You don't have to rinse it out. And the goal is uh, 30 seconds on each of the four outer surfaces of the teeth. Um, if you're not comfortable brushing teeth, there are some over-the-counter products that we add to the water that are not as good as brushing, but can certainly be very helpful uh, when it comes to your pet's dental hygiene. As far as bathing, again, you know, it, it's, it's going to depend on the length of the hair coat. Uh, what I tell my clients is, the more hair you have, uh, the more you're going to spend because you're going to be at the groomer every four, six, or eight weeks in general. Um, as far as just bathing your dog, if you've got labs and goldens and short-coated dogs like that, um, you know, if you have a, a, a nice shampoo made for your dog, you can give them a bath every day if you want to. You can do it once a week or at least once every 30 or 60 days. Um, that keeps their skin and hair coat healthy. And remember, the skin and hair coat is the largest organ in the body. So your skin and hair coat is an external reflection of your pup's internal health. You often hear the term indoor cat or outdoor cat, meaning that you know people keep their cat inside all the time or they let the cat out to do what it does. Some people say that's not right because the, the cats will kill birds and other little animals and drag it home. And what do you think? Oh, yes. Yes, indeed. You also have to remember, Mike, that many of the anxiety driven behavioral problems that cats suffer from, um, and that's a very big topic, are because they're locked up inside and they would like to be outside. So they start ripping out their hair and doing all kinds of things that are very, very self-destructive. So starting with a little kitten, you know, you can teach them to wear a harness, take them out for walks just like a dog. Um, and although that sounds good, um, it's, it's not something that many people do. If you do have a kitty that enjoys the outside, 
you just have to remember uh, that vaccinate, vaccinating, uh, deworming, and bringing your cat in, hopefully uh, every evening, having them sleep inside, those are all important factors to consider. And although you, you might get hit by a car and there all, are all these other hazards to consider when you are outside, emotional distress, mental anguish, particularly in these cats that are not allowed to go outside, um, that is just absolutely huge um, and very expensive for the feline owner. Wow, that's that's surprising. Because my image, I, I'm not a big cat person. I've had cats in, in when I was younger, but my image of a cat is it's pretty low maintenance. It seems to just kind of keep to itself and 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 seems to be fine, that there isn't a lot of emotional turmoil going on in that head. Well, uh, there is all kinds of emotional turmoil going on. You have to remember that cats are nocturnal. Uh, in general, cats sleep 18 out of 24 hours a day. But when they are out and about, what, what do cats like to do? They like to hunt. They like to stalk. They like to find their prey. Those are natural feline behaviors, not very different from the, the big cats uh, that we you know see on television or enjoy at the zoo. So um, they are tiny, and they are for the most part independent. But their wishes and their needs are their number one concern. Uh, so their living accommodations, their territory, and their meals um, are number one to, to that cat. And if their needs are not being met in mental, emotional, and physical ways, the owners will know about it quickly, whether they're urinating all over the house, you know, ripping out their fur. It's, um, it's, it's a big issue. Based on what you see with dogs and cats, that come to see you would you recommend or do you see better results when a dog has another dog in the house or a cat has another cat in the house is that typically better or is it not better or is it doesn't matter uh dogs are very social cats on the other hand very independent cats don't really care if it's just the one cat or if there's a couple of cats, one of the biggest problems that we as veterinarians see um, is because each cat has a very defined territory. We get these multi-cat households where the territory has been infringed upon and then the cats start fighting with each other um, and it just kind of keeps going downhill. Uh, dogs, on the other hand, as, as I said earlier, um, they enjoy the company of other dogs, so having a couple dogs I think is good. If you want to just get one cat, it's perfectly fine. What about the lifespan of pets? Are, are dogs and cats living longer than they used to? Yes, absolutely. Uh, just as the human lifespan um, has, has increased over the years, uh, so in fact has the canine lifespan. Um, 20, 30 years ago, eight to 10 years of age, was as long as uh, many many dogs were were with us in today's world with natural diets, great veterinary care. We've we've uh, seen these dogs going strong at age nineteen, which is unbelievable. Um, so what I would say to you is, small medium dogs going to age fifteen to twenty plus years is not at all uncommon in my practice. Um, 
the, the bigger the dog, again, the lifespan is going to, is going to be a bit shorter. Um, but we have these giant breed dogs going to 14, 15, sometimes, you know, 16 plus years of age. Wow. So absolutely. Um, as we get into, you know, natural, natural medicine and not too many pesticides and not over vaccinating our animals, um, the owners reap the rewards for having a healthy animal that, uh, can spend a little bit more time with them. What do you mean not over-vaccinating? It seems to me that I didn't know that was a controversy, that you just get the little postcard in the mail, says your dog needs, you know, whatever vaccine it needs, and you go take them in. Very good point. And not to hit a tough subject, some vaccines are good. Too many vaccines are generally not going to be in your pet's best interest. So what what are the basics? Rabies is a basic uh, a basic vaccine, as well as a law in just about every state, I believe, for dogs, your distemper, hepatitis, and parvo vaccines are considered essential, uh, depending on where you live in the country. Uh, Bordetella, which is a respiratory virus spread through the air, um, has reached epidemic proportions, um, mostly going back to the pandemic and a lot of well-meaning people adopting dogs and just not having any idea uh, what those medical needs are in order to keep their new companion healthy. When it comes to cats, um, the rabies is something you want to do. Leukemia is somewhat controversial. And then there's an upper respiratory vaccine complex. They call it FVRCP. That is what I consider mandatory for a cat. Uh, we run titers. A titer is a blood test uh, that documents whether or not an individual has a protective level of internal immunity for the disease in question. In dogs, rabies, distemper, parvo, hepatitis, leptospirosis. You can run titers on all these things so that if you're pet's level of antibodies is where it should be, then you don't have to give them another vaccine. We simply check the titer the following year. When dogs and cats die, particularly, you know, in la later in life, do they typically die like humans from all kinds of things, or do you see the same things over and over again? Elderly pets, like elderly people, often suffer with... Uh, you know, liver, kidney disease, heart issues, etc. So usually there is an underlying disease process, which gets to the point where the quality of life is no longer satisfactory for, for that particular animal. And um, so I would say that it's quite similar to, to you and I, um, because when you're lucky enough to get old, you have to deal with what old age brings. So everyone has heard about the obesity problem with human beings on this planet, what about pets? Are we seeing a, a real obesity problem with pets, dogs and cats? Absolutely true. Uh, over 50% of our four-legged canine and feline friends are suffering uh, from obesity, which, um, which is a very big deal and which uh, decreases their lifespan by one-third and predisposes them to all kinds of chronic diseases, heart, liver, and kidney disease uh, being right on the top, um, as well as cancer, which is the leading cause of death in dogs today. I know people sometimes give their dogs and cats people food, you know, scraps from the table. 
leftovers, whatever. And then I've also heard people say, oh, no, no, you can't give a pet people food. You need to give them food that is formulated for that animal. So weigh in on that. I'll tell you how I think of it, Mike. I think that food is food. And I think that if a chicken breast is as good for your pup as it is for you and I, and the reason that these multi-billion dollar pet food companies pay graphic artists incredible amounts of money to paint the chicken and the carrot and the vegetables and all those things on the, the bag of dry food or the, or the canned food, etc., is because they want you to believe that that is what is in that bag or the can. And unfortunately, it's unfortunate um, that cost is always an issue, it seems. Um, what they are touting now uh, globally and very popular in Europe is insect protein. Um, food is food. It's not like pet food, you know, and people food. Uh, the truth is, when that chicken, for example, goes into the rendering factory, the part of the chicken, Mike, that you and I think about, the breast, the thigh, and the leg, that goes over to the human section. The part of that chicken literally left on the slaughterhouse floor, the parts that you and I don't want to think about, the head and the beak and the guts, etc., those are the parts that go over to the animal section. Well, I know every pet owner has questions and concerns, and hopefully we've addressed some of them today. And I think there are so many theories people have about everything, feeding and uh, medical care and all that, that it's good to get some expert advice on that. Veterinarian Dr. Carol Osborne has been my guest, and she's the author of a couple of books, Naturally Healthy Cats and Naturally Healthy Dogs, and there are links to those books in the show notes. Thank you for coming on today, Carol. Appreciate it. Thank you, Mike. It was my, my pleasure. If you've ever felt truly lonely, you know that the feeling is almost painful, and that's for a reason. Loneliness is a motivator. Human survival has always depended on us working, living, and being with other people together. Loneliness exists to motivate people to connect with others in order to survive. That's the difference between depression and loneliness. Depression is a state. Loneliness is a motivator. And the magic cure for loneliness is to show up for something that means something to someone else. It works every time. Interestingly, living alone is not necessarily a symptom of loneliness. Many people who prefer to live alone have plenty of relationships that make them feel connected. And being in a relationship doesn't guarantee you won't feel loneliness. 30% of people in marriages say they feel lonely. And internet relationships do very little to battle loneliness. In fact, there is research that shows cyber relationships make lonely people feel even more lonely. And that is something you should know. We love new listeners. We need new listeners. We always want new listeners. And you can help us get new listeners by letting someone you know know about this podcast. I'm Mike Carruthers. Thanks for listening today to Something You Should Know.
The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.